on May 23rd. I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount+. Plus. Emergency! Emergency! Emergency podcast. I probably shouldn't be yelling that out in a hotel room where people can hear me yelling out emergency. There's a lot Wait, of you're still in a hotel room? I feel like you overextended your stay. Oh, yeah, we definitely didn't pre-record this just in case, guys. Hey, welcome to On the Bench. I'm Brendan Sinone. Got Chris Knee, Zach Blostein. This is an emergency instant reaction podcast as Florida State has landed arguably the top available transfer in the country, Keon Coleman. Fellas, big news here for FSU. Keon Coleman, four-star wide receiver, 93 overall grade uh, from Michigan State. Had nearly 800 receiving yards this past year. Big, big win. Zachary, I'm going to start off with you here as we try to uh, try to kind of recap what, what this recruitment was like the last few weeks, and then, then we'll eventually spin forward like what this means for the, the offense. But uh, let the folks know who Keon Coleman is, please, if they aren't familiar, which you should be if you're listening on the bench, uh, and more so how FSU ended up beating out Ole Miss for the talented wide out. Yeah, so Keon Coleman entered the portal um, close to the end of uh, the portal window in the spring. So it ended on May 1st. I think he entered maybe April 29th or one of those days um, towards the latter portion of that period. But his recruitment really didn't start until that following week when he took his first visit um, since being in the portal to Florida State, spent um, that whole weekend there. And then afterwards, left Florida State and just a few days later visited Ole Miss. Um, I realized I forgot to tell you who Keon Coleman is. Um, but, yeah, he's a really good player. I kind he's of already a, said it. It's fine. This is an yeah. emergency podcast and we're frazzled. It's part of the part of the fun of this. We're excited. 6'4", 215 receiver. Um, he's going into his junior year. Uh, this past year, he really, really turned it on for Michigan State. Um, caught 58 passes for almost 800 yards and seven touchdowns. Um, a guy that, you know, if you watch his game and he's a jump ball specialist, I mean, he played uh, basketball for Michigan State during his freshman year. Um, he was a, a three-sport three player um, in high school um, and a guy that, that FSU actually recruited out of high school. Not They weren't in it towards the end, but in the early portions of his recruitment, um, Ron Dugans, David Johnson were both active with him. And I think that that ultimately helped out. Um, they had the pre-existing relationships. We know Mike Norvell does a really good job in the portal of reaching out to guys and immediately forming a relationship. And I think that's why you, you saw him visit Florida state first, but Ole Miss wasn't going to go down without a fight. Um, we know NIL was involved in this recruitment um, to that a great degree. Room. Yeah. Um, to a great degree. And, and I think, uh, I think, you know, Florida state went out and it's a bit, it's a huge win. Um, you get an offensive playmaker that's going to take your already um, what we expect to be elite offense to an even greater level um, in this 2023 season where you're going for it all. And I mean, just looking at the receiver core right now, Brendan, how excited are you to see all these pieces kind of come together? So 
what stands out to me right away when you think about the wide receiving core and what it what it's going to look like in 2023, mentioned Keon Coleman's size, 6'4", 215. He will probably be opposite of Johnny Wilson at 6'7", 240 pounds. Think about how many, like, so for a cornerback to be like 6'2", 6'3", that's rare, right? And that's the value of having like a 6'4", plus wide receivers. You are almost always going to have uh, an advantage from a size perspective over a guy if you're being matched up one-on-one. Well, now you have two of those. So not many teams have a functional high-end like 6'2", cornerback. I don't know of any in college football that are going to have two of them. So you are going to present these mismatch options almost immediately like off the hoof with just those two guys. And I have an in-depth scouting report either that's up or, or going up on Knowles 24-7 on, on Keon Coleman games, but a lot of it's integrated into like what him and Johnny Wilson on the field at the same time means. Both of those guys are two of the best wide receivers nationally last year in beating zone coverage. Uh, so like if you're trying to put a like a put a shell over the top of the defense, they bust it because of how big and fast they are. Now you have two of them stressing out defenses. And if you take the approach of like, hey, we're trying to play basketball with our wide receivers. And by that, I mean, uh, we're trying to go with a variety of skill sets, one through five and rotated, you know, a quick point guard type of guy, a deep threat shooting guard type. You know, if you start to make that analogy of, of bringing basketball to the gridiron, well, you have two like super versatile, like stretch, like fours or, or fives. Now you have, you have multiple type of uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo types, like in, in terms of like, they can do multiple things. Well, you have two of them. And so <laughs> that is going to create a lot of pressure for defenses. And then you can mix and match like, Oh, do we want to put Shaheen Bell in the slot as well? And just go with, with a bunch of six foot three, six foot four guys. Do we want instant right out there to put pressure on them vertically. Do we want to go with gadgety Lawrence to Philly, Chikai Douglas types? Like you have this nucleus, this baseline of like two NFL caliber talents who do multiple things at a really high level that are super unique with their skill set. And I think the best way I can describe it is like a play caller can dream big with these guys. So you, you can, you, it opens up so much for you. It's going to open up the run game. You're investing in Jordan Travis and giving him the best chances possible to, uh, to unleash his talents even further. Like it just, this is what you needed to, for me to, to feel like you can win a playoff game now. Like I think you have the tools necessary to go ahead and, and do something to stress out a, an elite defense and give yourself a, a chance to maybe level up. So, yeah. And, and I quote, I feel, and they feel like they are one piece away. He's that one piece. He said that when he exited FSU, that's why he came to FSU first. It's why when he hit the portal, they were to place among other reasons, obviously success on the field, Jordan Travis at quarterback, Johnny Wilson's a good receiver. Uh, they recruit him out of high school relationship with coaches like the coaches. But that is why Keon Coleman had an interest in FSU and why Keon Coleman is a part of FSU. That offense is built to slay the hell out of opponents. I mean, Slaying plain, it. Plain, plain, plain and simple. Capable of putting up 40 or 50 points. That That's what they're going for. Not saying they will, not saying it's a definite, but they got two NFL-type outside receivers, plenty of gadgety types that they use really effectively, a backfield that we know is talented with an NFL running back in Trey Benson, and a quarterback who's ascended like nobody I've ever seen in a Guardian Gold uniform before in Jordan Travis. With an offensive line that's fully capable, deep, and with you know eight, nine guys we feel like are capable starters, a luxury we haven't had around these parts in a couple decades, I feel like. So, yes, they are built to be extremely good, and Keon Coleman 
adds into that puzzle perfectly. You know, I, I love Tron. I thought Tron had a great spring. I feel like Tron has taken a massive step forward. And I think he's going to be a huge piece of this team next year. And hopefully he is. So hopefully FSU has three receivers that can go out there and just mess up opponents. Because now they definitely have two that we know have done at the collegiate level. And maybe Tron's ready to be that third. And there's other pieces along the way that will be good. It's extremely impressive, the offense that they've assembled. For a place that was putrid at offense a few years ago, they were putrid at most things a few years ago because they just weren't talented. They're now extremely talented. Keon Coleman's an excellent football player. I mean, I, I feel like one nice thing with transfer guys, and we've talked about this in the past, it's very businesslike. It, it's not it's not emotional. It's not, a oh, the facilities are nice or you know, dinner was great. It's not that kind of stuff. It's business. Are they good at football? Can I be great there? Can they make me better? And can we all win side by side? And in Keon Coleman's case, he picked FSU over Ole Miss for that very reason. He feels that the ceiling and ability of FSU as a program is greater than that of Ole Miss. Uh, I want to – so I'm writing about it now, and I'm still trying to figure out like a way to like articulate it optimally. But one thing I want to do, guys – better this year as a, as a reporter and as an analyst is have a, a more wider scope idea of like program building or uh, company building franchise building. And that means like reading more about like major league baseball or like pro soccer stuff, or even seeing like what, what companies are doing. Like I want to just get a better idea of that and integrate that more into my coverage. So one, if you guys have ideas like people listening or, or reading uh, what we do at Knowles 24 seven, podcasts that you follow that, that have that type of dynamic or, or articles that you read, uh, let me know, please. But what, one thing that this reminded me of is I had a buddy who talked about, and a lot of corporations are doing this, but at his place of work, they talk about strength-based culture. And I pulled up an article on Gallup about this. And, and basically, like long and short of it is, instead of focusing on what your employees or your product's weaknesses and for a long time, it was thought of like, hey, if there's a weakness that represents the highest room to grow is let's take this cultural weakness and, and make it average into where it's no longer a weakness. That's starting to shift a little bit the way it, it, it's approached to where rather instead of a weakness, uh, trying to make that average, you take what you're already good at and you become great at it. Or you take what you're great at and you become excellent at it. You strengthen the strength. And that is a more successful formula uh, because it helps out with it leads to faster productivity because it's something that you already are inherently good at. You're going to have a more like reward center base. Like hey, if I'm already good at this and we're doing more of it, uh, it leads to more production. And NFL teams have taken this approach to, to not just team building, but even like scouting and, and like new England Patriots probably did this before anyone else was we're not focusing on what someone does incorrectly. We're focusing on what they can do right or what they already do. Right. And then we build on that. And so I say all this because Florida State didn't have to get a wide receiver, right? It wasn't a necessity. We didn't leave the spring saying, oh, they, they definitely need one. We said it would be nice if you can get one because we liked what Ken Trompetier did. We thought there were glimpses with Winston Wright. Uh, Darren Williamson, when he is healthy, we like we know that there is something pretty fun there. But you lost my Pittman. president. <laughs> um, but but you you know that there there are – pieces there to where you can be good on offense. You already know that. Like, you know, this is going to be a good top 10 offense this year. You feel pretty confident in that. Well, now as you're trying to make the next step and put all your chips into the middle of the table for 2023, make this run um, a potential playoff run, but at least contend for a conference title legitimately for the first time in, in a long time. Um, 
you need that extra like answer. And that's what Keon Coleman provides you. He strengthens a strength for you. He now gives you, we already mentioned, two options at wide receiver that are going to be uh, extremely difficult for defenses to try to figure out. And you're going to have to give something up to stop one of them. The idea of stopping both throughout a game consistently is, is probably going to be limited to a few teams unless you know Jordan Travis just comes out and has a bad day or or something like that. So I love the idea, and, and that kind of came to this conclusion last week. The more I thought about it and the more I started doing more research into like, okay, should be allocating their NIL opportunities into going out and getting a a third safety or you know getting a fourth defensive end. Like those things are going to be helpful if you can still find room for them, yes. But an opportunity presented Florida State to get an NFL caliber wide receiver to take a good offense and elevate it to potentially elite. Obviously, we have to see how this game, you know, how this season comes to fruition. Games aren't played on paper, but but on paper, uh, you have the potential for an elite offense. And I think it's a beautiful move that Florida State made. Uh, this opportunity was too good to pass up on. I think this is a game changer, fellas. That's kind of where I've settled on this. I know I said a lot of words, but but I do feel very strongly about this move for Florida State. I like Reed is I like good. What you said. Yeah. I think uh I agree with you, Brendan. Um, I think receiver was a bigger need than I think some people thought. Um, just because you do lose a good amount of production with Malik McLean and, and Micah Pittman losing or leaving. Um, but I think they would have been fine without Keon Coleman. Like they would have been able to manage a, a really um, high-powered offense without him. But I like what you said, Brendan. I think strengthening your strengths is always um, something that, especially in the portal area, a portal portal era. Sorry, I'm like mixing up all my words. Um, portal era is important um, because you don't really know what kind of prospects are going to come out at, at different positions in the portal, right? Like there might be a, a, a certain window where there's not a single linebacker you like that you'd want to take, but there are three receivers that you think would elevate your offense. Like, I think it's always worth to go and, and get one of those guys if you, if you can, and it makes sense. Like, I think, you know, if you, if you're elevating the talent level of your roster without, um, you know, having repercussions as far as like maybe talent leaving your roster, I think it's always worth, um, you know, strengthening the, the, the spots that are already um, considered strengths on the roster. You guys I know think Billy Shakes. What, what? 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 Go ahead, Chris. I, was, I, had a, I, had I was just going to question. say it. No, go ahead. What? Go ahead. How about no? You too. Question okay. first. Question. Go with a question. Do you think there is almost a a dynamic that could exist? This is just me being anxious. That FSU could have too many options, like to keep no everyone happy. Mm. No such thing. Greed is good. You know what keeps people happy? Winning. Winning. Mm-hmm. And even if you're not happy when the winning's happening, you're still part of the winning, and then you go and figure it out afterwards. But no, like the goal is to win football games, and FSU's putting themselves in position as best as humanly possible, especially offensively, to do that, regardless of what comes their way. What were you going to say, Chris, before I so rudely interrupted you? I was just going to say that Billy Shakespeare once said, uneasy lies ahead that wears a crown. But I think in the case of the Portal King, Mike Norvell, now having five of the top 25 Portal prospects in this year's class, the crown rests pretty easy and he's probably sleeping pretty easy too because he knows he has an offense that's a juggernaut. Yeah, and I don't, well, he's a I don't coach that does everything. He loves offense. Go ahead, Zach. I was going to say, I don't see why. I think um, Mike Norvell is officially 
taken the crown from Mr. Lane Kiffin over there at Ole Miss, especially after this recruitment. He snatched the crown off his head. Yes. Game Almost like it was a chain. Um, My no, grandmama I mean, gave it, me that chain. It, it's really impressive. FSU, I know Jalen Key went to Bama, so that's an example of, yes, they do miss sometimes in the portal. But there's example after example after example. If they go, they focus on a guy, and they go and get him. There was plenty of talk of Zachary Franklin, and FSU had communication with Zachary Franklin. But they focused on Keon Coleman. They allowed it to play out with patience, even when there was a little bit of a back and forth, I believe, during this process of whether or not it would be FSU or Ole Miss. And FSU did what needed to be done in order to acquire a great talent, and that's what they did today. Okay, I, I think that's everything that we had on this instant reaction emergency podcast. Uh, go back and check the X's and Knowles. Uh, no, yeah, it was on X's and Knowles YouTube feed. Uh, the guys did something on Keon Coleman when he became a legitimate prospect about two weeks ago. Uh, so you go ahead and look at that. And then I think I'll be joining those guys later in the week to do more of a, a, a more thorough breakdown of like what the offense could look like with Keon Coleman. So we're going to have reactions to this beyond just what we have here, but um, make no mistake. Like this is a huge win for Florida state. It is a significant piece that's been added and, uh, I think the best way to phrase it when, as we wrap up this podcast is high expectations. This makes those expectations even, even higher. Uh, FSU can, can dream big with this type of offense that it's going to field in 2023. So for Chris Nee, Zach Blostein, I'm Brendan Sinone. This has been on the bench. Thanks for listening, everyone. I want to give a shout out to our sponsors, Chattanooga whiskey and the, the Turner, Turner group. group. Celebrate Colin pop the good stuff tonight because uh, well, Good show. Sorry, Colin. Let's get out of here. But there's a reason to celebrate. Drink Chattanooga whiskey to celebrate. All right. Someone stop me. Chris, hit end recording, please. shining light Sarajevo and they needed to kill that light from producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2 U2 they represent a personification of our resistance the Hollywood reporter hails kiss the future moving and inspirational kiss the future viva Sarajevo kiss the future new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus go to Paramount Plus to try it free terms apply